Hi, my name is Dax Hammond, and I'm going to be your host today. This is The Achievers, the show where we find brilliant people who are making things happen. If you'd like to consider being on the show, just go to jointheachievers.com forward slash apply. Today, I'm joined by Josh, the CEO and founder of LavaBox. Now, in Josh's case, CEO stands for Chief Eruption Officer. And honestly, it's been a long time since I've seen a product take an industry and the world by storm quite as much as Josh's product has. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dax. Thanks for having us on. This is great. Lava Box is not a, an obvious name for people to know what's going on. So tell us a little bit about the product. No, it was um, it was actually, you know, you 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 kind of sw- you can swing and miss, and that's okay. Uh, we start with a different name, um, and uh, I'll tell you, it was a, we did a, a kind of a mutual respect. We we started out with a name called Volcano, and we thought we were being clever. We said, you know, our our products inside of a, a ammo can. This will be really cute. Um, and, uh, it turned out there was a volcano grill. I called the guy who owned volcano grill and he and I said, Hey, do you, how do you feel about us using this? He said, I don't feel great about it. And I, I, I felt the lawsuit closing in and <laughs> said, no problem. Uh, but we liked that. We liked the, um, the volcano theme. I had these visions of, of all kinds of fun marketing pieces. And so, uh, and the spots seemed right to me. And, uh, maybe with my obsession with Joe versus volcano when I was a kid. I don't know. Weird Tom Hanks thing. <laughs> There's motivation that comes from all parts of uh, all. You know, it was deep. It was deep, Dax. But uh, yeah, so we went. We went ahead and stuck with Lava Box, and uh, it's been. I think that's actually been great. You know, having something really quick, uh, really sharp, and uh, but still memorable, and nothing that was a strange word. I was. Uh, you know, I've had a few companies. I've had. I had a company that was um, uh, called Oratus that was just for. Um, building actually mostly Prezi presentations um, when I was a big developer for Prezi and uh, Oratus just never, never really caught the lava box was simple so I kind of learned a lesson there and uh, it was really easy to, to, to latch on to sticky. Naming matters and good for you for also realizing that you had to check out trademarks early on it's, it's a trap a lot of founders fall into where they think eh, it doesn't matter right now and then it really starts to matter later on. So our viewers and listeners can see a lava box at fireanytime.com. But for those people not sitting at their computer right now, describe what a lava box is. Yeah, it's an incredibly simple product. Um, it really is a, a burner inside of a uh, kind of World War II slash Vietnam style ammo can. So an ammunition canister. They're waterproof. They're made of steel, very tough. Um, and they have a uh, a rubber seal inside and that keeps them 100% waterproof. In fact, uh, they just pulled out um, hundreds of them out of out of the Mekong Delta that was there from Vietnam and they're all untarnished, totally fine. Ammo is wow. still inside of them, totally shootable or whatever it is. Wow. <laughs> so they really are an amazing, you know, it, it was an incredible feat and design idea from the military. And I said, this is something that we don't want to change too much. It's, it's already a brilliant design. I'm not smarter than, than whoever designed this box. Let's put a fire inside of that box. And it's a fully propane base, so it passes stage two fire restrictions, um, which are a big deal in the West. If you're watching this from the East Coast, this is something that might be foreign to you, but out here, this is a big deal. Um, once the fire ban is in place to protect us from wildfires, uh, you can't burn anything that has some kind of combustion materials. So, um, you know, obviously wood and those sort of things, charcoal you can't burn, mm-hmm. but propane you can. And so I thought, Let's put a let's put a burner inside of the toughest thing on earth and uh, make a fire. And how? So clearly, this is a product with a niche with a with a certain type of audience. What what's your world? What's your background that means you saw this as something you wanted to solve? 
Sure. This is, um, so I, you know, I've, I've worked in the guide community, the, the rafting guides. And so that's, and that's universal. Everybody kind of has seen rafting and it's always fun. And we've, and then one of the ubiquitous items we have on the boat is a, is a ammo can. They're like, once again, they're waterproof, they're super tough. So they can flip over and hit a rock and splash around. Um, and, uh, so the guiding community was already really familiar with them. And then I also work with wounded veterans and uh, the ammo can just seems to be part of our, it's an artifact inside my world all the time. Uh, and so it just seemed like this thing that made a ton of sense. And then um, I was on a trip recently uh, when we invented Lava Box uh, where someone's tasked me with making something, I'm a big tinkerer, and they tasked me with making something that was better than the other portable campfires out there. And I said, we should build an enamel camp. You know, like I said, the thing that we see every time, we're very familiar with it. And so that's that's kind of what happened when my, my that's my background. I, I actually have, uh, live in the philanthropic world for a long time, but uh, love to tinker and make things. And that's that's what happened here. So that's great. Now, obviously <laughs> it's not the first portable campfire. Why, why do you think no. this one has taken the outdoor world quite by the storm that it has? I, you know, it's funny. I, I think about this a lot and uh, it, there was some intentionality there, um, especially with the marketing piece of it. And this is a lot of our folks are going to, are our entrepreneurs and thinking about that but I wanted something that was very easily adopted and, and felt cool. Mm. And I think we often overlook how important cool is. And I think that like, you think about brands like Yeti, um, they, they understood lifestyle. I, I would even argue that they were one of the first to really target lifestyle, especially mm. after the, the internet age in, in marketing and branding. And they were very smart to, to make this part of what you do every day and how cool it is what you do. And I think that was part of our success too. I think it was Vogue. It was chic to be, to have this cool ammo can. Um, of course, we have a, an interesting, we're at an interesting uh, nexus right now where people think uh, we're really caring about our veterans. And that was an important thing to me. And uh, there's nothing more iconic in the military than the ammo can. Right. And uh, I think it just was the right timing for that, um, especially on the, the branding side. Well, and I think, I think the way the box looks, it's such a classy design it's simple it's not yeah. fancy. um the two-tone of the sort of metal on the side of the ammo can etc and the way you've played with that is great josh even actually has a uh are you calling it the lava limousine the truck lava limousine around it. <laughs> it looked great right with with the flames down the side etc i mean the whole brand just feels feels natural feels right and the domain of fireanytime.com i think is uh, is sort of a fun one um so you had this idea how long was it from having the idea to then you thought, okay, I, I can I can do more than tinker with this? Yeah, that's um, it, it was fast. I you know I've I've launched a few products. I've tried. Uh, I've even written written a you know TV show treatments, all kinds of things. So it wasn't my first rodeo on that part. The the, the big one was to uh, I mean I, I so I came home, Dax. I came home from our trip where I said I'm going to go build this thing. I built seven prototypes in about 48 hours. That's how crazy I am. Uh, <laughs> and I got to number seven was like, I like this one. Um, and, uh, so, you know, the next day I said, all right, I'm going to make 40 of these. I sold them in a week. And I said, there's, there's something here. There's something here. I found a guy, I found a guy in town to, to do a, a high heat powder, powder coat for me for those mm -hmm. first 40. I still have one of them. Um, and we sold them right away. And I said, this is it. This is the one. Cause I've tried other products. Um, and I don't think it, I don't think it has to be the one. I don't want to discourage anybody who's saying they're going to put all their eggs in one basket, but I did strike out a bunch. Um, but this one I knew had legs. Uh, I saw the, uh, and I also thought about timing. 
you know, we talk right. about it a lot, but like as we go in, you know, in fact, I think Denver Post just ran an, ar an article yesterday, or maybe it's the front page today, talking about there's going to be no more regular campfires in the very near future in all of the state year round. Um, and so I think there was an incredible timing. I got very lucky on that. And then, um, and then once again, the design was right and the product is right. And it just all happened at the right, right moment. There is a wonderful principle known as smart look that I love, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's most of us that have had any degree of success have had many elements of luck that we can point to on the journey to that success. The difference between luck and smart look really is that smart look is when someone like you recognizes that a bit of luck has just come along and then you really dig in and, and double down to, to turn that into something. So I, so. <laughs> I try, I really try to pay attention, you know, uh, I, I've always felt like I was kind of in tune with what was happening. Yep. Um, and, uh, just, I just felt like I missed a few times. Like I was really close. Um, I wrote a piece of software for OnStar. If you remember that product, that's the uh, one in the car, right? You press the one in the car. Yeah. And I, I wrote a, a outdoor, it was called Outdoor Atlas. It was a program that kind of helps you book all kinds of fun outdoor excursions and pitch it to Ford. And it just so happened that we were really coming into the advent of, of the internet. And I just missed like the internet swamped your need for OnStar. And you guys saw, I mean, obviously OnStar kind of faded away. Mm. Um, a so a timing of mine, her mom was the voice of OnStar. Whoa, weird. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I believe she is the uh, the boss of the group in the cartoon Archer. Oh wow! Now as well, holy cow! Which is a fun little <laughs> great show. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, timing. So, so you got this idea. You know it's starting to work. You're getting some traction, and then you're doing this during the biggest pandemic we've had in living history. Like, how how did that affect plans? I mean, supply chain, everything went to pot. It was tough. I mean, I, I, there's no other way to slice it. It was really tough and we really struggled. The supply chain was, was, was hard. Um, and I actually, it's funny, I, I, because everyone was home and not building stuff, I felt like I, I, at least I had a very captive audience, especially mm. as I started to reach overseas. Like these guys weren't making any money. And I, this little guy came in and said, hey, will you do something small for me? And they're like, yes, we'll do anything oh, right at this right. moment. Because everything was shut down and these guys, I felt like I really captured their attention. I think if they were pumping out, like great examples, the ammo cans, I, I, I'm working with a guy right now who before the pandemic was doing 80,000 cans a month. And uh, so when I, I know, right, uh, one of the top suppliers for Walmart, big producer, and uh, I came along and said, can you do 500? You know, and he said, normally, no way. Right. <laughs> he said, for this moment, when we have, you know, my, you know, Shanghai's shut down, you know, I can't do anything. And I said, can you build these for me? He's like, well, you know, all my people, I can have one or two guys in the shop. We're running, you know, four hour uh, shifts only because that's all the electricity we're allowed to have. And so he was like, I'll do it because he couldn't fill the other orders. He said, I can fill these little orders now. I said, great. So I just, I, once again, very, very lucky. Um, I, now, beyond, you know, the smart luck was there. Because there was, I talked to 40 people before I got to him. Not, you know, maybe not 40, but probably 30. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> before I got to him. But uh, yeah, it was a, that's, that's, that was a real, a real thing. And then the other, wow. other piece of it that I actually was a blessing and not a curse was, the, was the, the fact that we, we are a brand that can be online. It's comfortable to buy online. It's great for direct consumer. You're not trying on a pair of shoes. You're Easy not putting on a dress. Yep, and so people could see the product, um, and uh, we did really well with just direct consumer. People saw it, they wanted it. Camping was, you know, camping by nature is is pretty uh, 
uh, you know, distance inviting. <laughs> if you're trying to like get right. away from people, there's social distance pieces there. Right. Uh, and camping, if you, I don't know if you know, but uh, you know, we've seen a huge increase in, in people using out, you know, doing out, outdoors. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Even was- if you look at the migration stats state by state, the growth of people moving to Colorado during the pandemic was was yeah. enormous. And of course, the more people you've got wanting that sort of lifestyle, the more customers you essentially are, are going to create. I, I want to talk about the marketing side of it for a minute, but on, on this idea of sourcing these ammo cans from, from overseas providers, and obviously mm-hmm. you couldn't travel there to check them out, et cetera. How did you ultimately pull the trigger? Was it just that there was one guy who would do a small order and you just took a risk or? Um, so I was, I mean, to say I was nervous is putting it very mildly because <laughs> I did bootstrap the whole project. Um, we did not do a Kickstarter. We never pulled cash from anyone. I own 100% of the company. Um, there's nothing, there's no dilution anywhere, actually. Uh, which I know sounds nuts these days, but um, that's how I wanted to do it. No, the, the, there's a wonderful VC I love who's here between Denver and, and Boulder in Colorado. His name escapes me, but I remember listening to him speak a couple of years ago, and he said, the dilemma is that in many ways, they as a VC want to invest in the people who don't want the money, right? They sort of want to invest in people like you who are capable of doing it without them. And really, for a lot of founders, we've got this idea in mind that getting a big funding round is success, right? People put out a press release every time they get a funding round. You could also look at it that for some businesses that didn't really need it to do something unique that would take a long time to revenue, maybe it's failure to give up a piece of equity in exchange for uh, for money. And given you were able to do it and now you still have 100% control and ownership, I would say that's probably right in your case. It feels right for now. I, I, I mean, obviously, we need to have a round just to to make the, take the next big step. Oh. But uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't regret anything we've done so far. Right. And your round is going to be so much more in your favor because you're not turning up in someone's office with a crappy PowerPoint presentation saying, I've got this idea for a fire in an ammo box. Right. And I, I, and to your point that they're coming to me, you right. know, we're not, we're not sending out uh, packages right now. Um, they're trickling on, on their own. So, mm-hmm. and I think, I think we're going to hit, you know, once we hit that, that 15 to 20 million mark, I think we'll probably get bought, but yeah. Um, Valuation or revenue? Revenue. Revenue. Yeah. And I, I, we'll do that in five years. Great. So I, yeah. So I, I think that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll move and I'll move on to the next project and that's great, right. but I'm glad I did it this way. You know, the first 18 months have been great and we're just ramping up fast and this could I done it faster and taking that, you know, big piece, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't worth it. I don't right. know. You, you sacrifice <laughs> a lot. I mean, the, the control piece is key. I mean, We've all seen deal sheets come from um, from investors where they want total control, they want veto on everything. It's 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 just not a preferable position to be in. So if you can get it to this point where you now have the leverage to keep control, that's a fundamentally different game you're playing. It, it feels good. It definitely feels better. Um, yeah, it's not nearly as scary. No, no, <laughs> no. You got something in your back pocket, right? When you walk into yeah. places. So you got the oh, yeah. product. You were happy with some of the finishes. How did you get it out into the hands of people initially, and and what was the what was the thing you did that suddenly started to get the volume flowing? Yeah, actually, the the big one for me, and I I'm not a I, I'm still not I'm still not a big believer of of shows. I think that trade shows are kind of in a weird limbo right now, um, mm-hmm. and we're actually you know, obviously we're seeing that with some local very big outdoor shows that are struggling to even stay in state because um, the finances have been so poor. Um, uh-huh. 
their financials have been really tough and big companies are pulling out. However, uh, to be totally fair, I saw a market in a place that wasn't obvious at first. Um, I thought we were going to head towards the, the really basic camping groups. Um, and then uh, I realized that there was this, this contingent of, of new buyer that was in the overland space. Are you familiar with this? They're like a, um, a little bit, but I don't think everyone will. Why don't you give them? A yeah, call? it's 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 pretty fresh, um, and of course they've always been there, but it's a it's a new idea. We've seen a ton of really great manufacturers come together and build incredible car parts. Um, you know, amazing lifts to their vehicles. You mm -hmm. know, um, giant beautiful tires and wheels and uh, safari racks and all kinds of gear. And I just didn't. It didn't dawn on me until I, I kind of saw the numbers of people who were showing up to shows for this mm -hmm. and they're enormous. They mm -hmm. are enormous. I had no idea this was the crowd. Um, and I, I'm, I've had cool trucks and things. I thought, no, this is, this is good for me. I like this. Um, and so I went to the Overland Expo uh, here in Denver, mm -hmm. actually in Loveland, not far from here. And uh, yeah, I mean, a hundred thousand people, tons of eyeballs, uh, great, uh, incredible sales. They uh, are a really great group of people, very nice. Um, love being outside and it's fully accessible. I mean, it's a very different, if you're a hardcore mountain biker, you have to be fit. You have to have, uh, you know, oh. there's some, there's some bars there, <laughs> you know, there's some uh, uh, tough entry sometimes. And I, and for this off-road crowd, it can look like me and be fine. <laughs> Just show up in your great car, uh, have a great time and don't, you know, uh, it, it really is about, you know, kind of, a, you can be a kind of a gearhead or you can just buy a great vehicle. And then the right. lava box is the perfect camping vehicle, perfect thing to go with your camping vehicle. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an American safari. I don't know how else to equate it to something else, but that's, that's how I feel. It's like these guys are going on these cool safaris and they're driving all over the fire roads, all over Colorado and they've got their lava box and they love it. That's and they need tough things too. Right. You know, that's just like, just that's like rap guys, they need really tough things. And I and, suppose uh, if they're going short trip, they can just take a like a mini propane. They don't. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they they actually have hip propane decks built into their vehicles, so it's all. Oh, really? Oh yeah, these are incredible vehicles. I, I'm astonished by the the stuff these guys do is 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 amazing. Actually, wow. it's really bright and it's a really neat market. Um, so I've been excited and like honored to be part of it, just to watch it grow and the. Um, I mean, it's just it's dominating the trade show world. And, and uh, so you started going to those and you started exhibiting or you just started turning up at first and showing it to people? I went to one. I went to one and my sales quadrupled in like two weeks. Wow. And, and then I really, I mean, I really hammered social. Because uh, I, I think it's a product that, that looks great. Yes. You know, and, and on, on internet, it looks great. And uh, I did start pulling in influencers um, but my total spend has been very, very low. Um, and you're going to laugh. It's probably been less than $2,000 for 18 Great. months. Yeah. If, you, uh, if you've got a product and you feel like you've got any sort of personal presence, just getting out on social media and putting a product that's going to catch people's attention out there, nobody needs to be going and spending fortunes with uh, with agencies to, to do it, as you've just proved. But what was your experience like with influencers? Because I think that <laughs> word's been tarnish so much i i sort of hate it because it's, it's a bit uh shysterish i think sometimes did, the I, did I say it with disdain i didn't mean to <laughs> no you didn't i'm i'm the one bringing bringing the the disdain from i think some experiences people have who did you find how did you find them how did you know they they would do an okay job 
Yeah, I, I didn't. And I missed um, probably on, so I've probably pulled in about 10 so far. Um, and the, then the best one was somebody who just loved the product, doesn't charge me anything. There's, there's zero contract there. And she does a wonderful job for me. Um, I had others who just wanted discount codes um, to build their audience, that sort of thing. And then I had others who wanted to cut. So it's, you know, and they wanted a certain number of points on every sale, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so it's all across the board. It's the wild west. There's no, there are no rules, which is kind of good for as an owner. Cause I can kind of say, you know, uh, the bar is 20,000 followers on Instagram. Right. Uh, if you don't have that, first of all, don't call. We're not, we're not interested, um, which is tough, but that's, that's where we are in the world and that part of it. And then uh, I think, and then the second part is I need X number of, of presentations. I need, I need these, these many hero shots. I need this, 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 and this. And if they don't deliver it, um, it's, it's, you know, that's the hard part is where do I, you know, enforcement's difficult. I send out product everywhere, but I will tell you this. I, I don't think any of it was a real loss. I think putting the product in people's hands, yep. even if they shot one video was, uh, was fine. But then I, I, it dawned on me about six months in, I was like, you know what? And, and, and you might, you may disagree, but I, I think it's working out pretty good for us. I just kind of took away all the bullshit Oops, sorry. Um, <laughs> all the all right. The I don't think we're gonna have many underage people watching. This. <laughs> all, I think you're okay. Well, all the manufactured shots and all of the you know super uh, staged you know videos and spots and I said none of that matters to me anymore. I I just asked uh, I just asked users to send in things, and I think it's been incredibly effective. Yeah. You know, creating a, a an evangelist from every every person I talk to. Um, and I talked to them personally. I mean, it's that, you know, we've sold about 4,800 units and every single one of those people I've talked to at some point, I know it sounds crazy, but it's just to get, I, I want to, I, I care about them. I want them to care about the product. I want them to know I care about them. And so, uh, and they send me pictures. That's fantastic. Nonstop, you know, and, it's, and they're great. We, folks. we have this advantage now to many, uh, for many reasons where, Marketing shifted from the glossy, the polished, the expensive video shoot, photo shoot. People now want authenticity. And what's great for a founder like you is that means you don't necessarily have to go spend a whole bunch of money doing photo shoots and video shoots. People with your product, looking at it, using it, taking pictures, taking videos, that does more good than something polished. But you have to put legwork in that you're putting in where you're talking to these people. <laughs> Otherwise, why true. would they do it, right? No, they won't do it. Um, and I, I, but I, I, I have found that people, when they love the product, they love the product. Yeah. And they love repping the brand. And, that, and I, once again, it was intentional. You know, I went, I went in from the beginning saying, I'm going to be like Yeti. I'm going to people, make people love my product and, and love the company and love what we're doing. And of course, there's a philanthropic part we haven't talked about, but, yeah. um, you know, it's an important thing we're doing. And I, and I don't, it's, that's not BS. That is a, we have to figure out how to slow down human caused wildfires, period. Yeah. Uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars just in Colorado alone uh, in, you know, blood and treasure, which I hate to, I don't mean to diminish it. It's just, but that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, I, I think that they understood the mission and, and I, I know I don't want to, I use the word mission, but it really is like, I'm on, kind of on a mission. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I want to have good sales because I want to eventually make this happen, make people, Switch switch gears. I think what really feels so authentic 
with you, Josh, is you've got the background that has proved your philanthropic desires. You spend a considerable amount of your time um, going out and taking people on rafting trips that otherwise would never be able to have an experience like that. And so I think when you have somebody like you who already has those beliefs, and then they apply it to a product or a service that they believe in, that is why you get this sort of traction. So what are, um, what are you doing with veterans right now? So we donate, it's not gonna sound like a lot yet. My plan is to make it a whole lot. Uh, we do a dollar for every can that we sell to my, my favorite charity, which is Team River Runner. It's a, it's a group that teaches whitewater kayaking uh, to wounded veterans. And so we use fully adaptive equipment. Uh, I've been doing it for over wow. 10 years now. And I run the Denver chapter. Uh, and we have, you know, usually about 15 to 20 vets in the chapter at any given time. Um, but uh, just, it's a very different kind of thing. And I, it, because I love whitewater kayaking, I, had to do, I like to do what I wanted to do. Um, and I always tell people in chair, you know, if you're going to go do something, if it's, if you don't have a passion, it's great that you went to the soup kitchen, but if you didn't have a passion for it, maybe you only do it once. Right. So find something you like to go do. Cause there are people who like to go to the soup kitchen or they like to pick up trash. They like to do, you know, whatever. So, right. um, so, and I like kayaking and I like teaching kayaking and I like teaching kayaking to wounded veterans best. And so, um, that's what, that's what keeps me there. And so we do a dollar for every can and, uh, actually any contract going forward, especially for any VCs who are who may be watching this and want to talk, uh, that's, that's just a piece of it. And there's no, that's, that's the only non-starter I really have is mm -hmm. that it, that philanthropic piece has to be in there. Um, and, uh, that, you know, that means something to me. It should. I think you're fortunate with your timing that there is a lot of investment happening where people want it to have a doing good element. And of course, that's a very direct positive impact indirectly though i mean it's this has a environmental positivity um the wildfires as you're talking about i mean people hear the california stories on the news if they live on the yeah. east coast they probably don't hear the colorado ones quite as much it's it's a devastating change to yes. uh, to to our uh, to our world out here so if if this really helps prevent that then that's that's fantastic have you worked much with with fire crews or fire departments have they had any feedback or input on this I have, so I actually am I'm also a, a red card holder myself, while Upland firefighter. Um, so, which is just a funny coincidence, really. Uh, I got I got certified in so scary 1995 and worked on a prison crew. Uh, so we got called a lot because wow. <laughs> yeah, they're they're always home. <laughs> so, That's funny. <laughs> I was not in prison. To be fair, I was just on the prison crew. So. Um, but uh, so we did a lot of we did a lot of upland firefighting. But um, yeah, I've shown it to first. I first took it to Golden Fire Department, which is another local town outside of Denver, and uh, and they just and that actually was one of the things that solidified the product. They, they said this is amazing, like uh, you know, and wanted to buy one right there. And this is you know they, they this, I just wanted to go local and just kind of get a feel for it. Um, but now we've shown it to BLM, uh, the uh, National Park Service that runs Grand Canyon, and uh, all of them have endorsed it. Love the product. And that, that makes my heart sore like an eagle. I mean, that's the one. That's when you get fantastic. the Grand Canyon, that's a tough one. Yeah. The Grand Canyon, you know, obviously, we, we treat it as a treasure just it, because it is. And uh, they don't, they're very, very strict. And to have them endorse a product like ours to say, this is the one, uh, that's a big deal. That's and we were, it's, yeah, it's we, we made it a big deal, too. We, we wanted to, we should probably talk about it more. But it, it, sometimes it doesn't resonate with folks. So they don't know what it means. But it's... So. 
in our circles, it's a it's a huge deal. So yeah, I'm getting like goose, getting goosebumps. <laughs> and and Josh mentioned then the acronym BLM. So for those of you that don't know that aren't as outdoorsy, it's the Bureau of Land Management. And they um they they essentially look after and control a massive percentage of the United States, right? Absolutely. And um and, and the BLM actually is a really special thing um to, to have this much national land that you can just access. There's no it's there there are not a whole lot of places in the world that have this kind of thing, this arrangement where the public can just go and access wilderness areas like this. Um, so it's a very special part of the U.S. And they they they're serious about it. They protect it. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and, and they, if they, our know, viewers have never looked into this, um, during COVID, for instance, my wife and I had to do the drive to San Diego and back, which is a two and a half thousand mile round trip. We had to do it three yeah. times for a family reason. And you can go on that BLM app. And it will just tell you anywhere you are, places you can just pull up your car, you can car camp, you can put up a tent or whatever. We stayed one time right off the extraterrestrial highway near Area 51 one night, <laughs> nice. and we stayed in near Kings Canyon. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic resource that I don't think people quite realize we've got. Especially if you're in the West or if you're in the East, you don't you don't know about BLM land, and then right. you come out here and you realize it's it's almost infinite. It feels that yeah. way. Well, it's like when you drive through Nevada, right? There's nothing in Nevada. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's, BLM land. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's camp all, anywhere you want. Just don't burn it down. Do you, <laughs> totally um, I, I'm curious. Do you do you still have doubts about this, about the business? Uh, oh yeah, sort of. You do. What do you do when you get those doubts? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, mostly uh, drink a lot. No, I don't. Just kidding. I um, no, I sometimes it helps. I will tell you this. I about four months ago. I decided that the doubt was a waste of time. Um, I know this sounds, I don't mean to sound like an egoist or uh, I just, I just realized it was a waste of time. Like I, yep. I was like, why am I doing this? I, I, I have to believe I'm going to win. So in whitewater kayaking, you have to believe, especially at the level that I paddle at, you have to believe you're going to make it. There is no option. A lot of the stuff I paddle, you know, class five plus, um, especially when I was younger, there is no option to say, I hope I make it right. You can only believe you're going to make it. And, uh, and I, about four months ago, I was like, you know what? Doubt's a waste of time. We're just going to do it. Um, and that's a tough, that's a very tough wall to climb over and say, okay, I'm going to be there in that space. Cause it's laminal. It's strange. Um, it's, it is scary, but you still have time for it to be scared either. Right. It's the same, same thing with boating. It's a weird analogy, but, uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think it works well, right? I mean, you're in a dangerous, precarious situation where if you're not committed to the water that you're paddling down, it, it, it's it's going to kill you, literally. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. so. that, that's great. I, th I think it's something many of us struggle with um, often when, when we're building businesses and you have to find some way to manage it. And that's a great way you've uh, you've managed it. We all so, have moments. I still have moments, of course, you know, but uh, then I just say, we don't have time for that. Right. A lot of us have to try and find the balance between building something new and sort of family and, and things. Um, how's that been for you, particularly during COVID when, of course, we were all locked up in the same house? Yeah, I, had a, I have a very supportive family. Um, and my, my spouse is incredible. Uh, so she saw the vision, too, which was really nice. Um, in fact, I just had lunch with a friend who is also an entrepreneur and, and her, um, her spouse is not seeing her vision. And, and that's just so hard. I was, it's hard for me to hear. I said, how do you get him across the finish line? How do you have him see what you're seeing? And, uh, and that's tough. 
I don't, I don't really have great advice there. I, I would say that the, um, to be expressive and iterative and explain where you're going, I think helps a ton. Um, and make sure they feel like you're checking in because you, you know, they're seeing your successes. And I think a lot of partners might think, gosh, why am I not having that success? We're all humans. Right. Um, and I think that uh, I want to, I think if my, if my spouse wasn't so successful already, I think it'd be much more difficult. So I think it's important to, to check in with them, you know, and of course the kids too. I, I, I bring the kids in on everything. So I tell them everything we're doing, uh, which is probably, you know, they, they probably leak it too much, but, uh, <laughs> but it's great. And they feel like it's important. And, you know, like we actually are about to release a, um, a really great commercial. And, we, and I, I said, no actors, no, no fakes. Right. It's going to be our family, you know, and uh, it's provincial and maybe it's a little down homey. But uh, I think it's going to resonate. I think we will get it. Again, authenticity is really yeah. what, what people want that message to be. And you have a, you have a social product. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. Why, why not include them? So before we wrap up here, what's next? You're receiving offers, unsolicited offers for investment. Um, you're in a lucky, well-fought-for position of being able to earn those and, and be able to have some degree of, of control and confidence going into those meetings. What do you think the sort of biggest challenges and excitements are of, uh, of what comes next for Lava Box? I think, I think for, you know, personally, I think I'm, I'm really focused on not getting bogged down um, by some of the, the, you know, huge financial decisions I have to make. Um, so I'm trying to keep perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually the biggest challenge right now is because it is, it is very sexy to hear you're going to make 110 million in the next 10 years or whatever, you know, oh. they're throwing out huge numbers, you know, for, for, for a raft guide, it's pretty cool. Right. Um, but the perspective is important for me. I don't want to, I don't want to freak out. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm also like, uh, I'm kind of preparing myself just go ahead and make the next next thing you know like, like i said before when we were saying i, I would sell you know uh, you know the price is right i would sell and, and i'm not attached to saying i'm only going to make one one winner right i think that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs especially people i talk to um, in my circles right now you know they're like this is the one i'm hanging my hat on and i think that's a huge mistake i think you have to keep stay fresh keep looking stay hungry uh because Maybe this one makes you makes you some money, um, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's not right. That's, That's a tough one. I know it's 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 a really interesting it's a really interesting topic, right? Because yeah. on the one side, when you have something that is resonating and doing well, you want to capitalize on it as much as you possibly can. And a common mistake of founders is they will do two things and for some people two things is too much right now right, i could right. totally see you having another product and that all being part of the same sort of family same sort of audience and that really still be you doing the same thing um yeah it's 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 a big decision you got to make we'll we'll see what happens i i could fall into that trap um i wanted to build out the store you know so we right. definitely have we have ancillary products that are really selling well i made sure we protected them I mean, I don't tell that to any founder because um, I've made that mistake. I made that mistake with OnStar. I made that mistake with a TV show I wrote. Um, I didn't protect things. Uh, and so that's, that's huge. Um, but uh, I think you're right. I think is, yeah, I, I just don't want to become myopic, I guess is what, what I want to say. You know, I want to stay, stay, make sure I stay 
that picture, the big picture's out there. And I want to surround myself with really great people to, to keep yeah. the product, this company, um, driving forward. Yeah. But I want well, to make sure I stay argue. You have a unique insight, obviously, into this industry, into this community of people, a community that's bringing in new people with the Outlander movement, but rafting, camping, whether it be casual or, or people sort of more serious and, and life committed to it. And so that's where a tremendous amount of your value is. You're clearly an individual who can understand what's happening and then translate that into a product need that, that people want. So there's a strong argument that says you, you keep doing that and finding more things to add. And of course, for anybody who sells direct to consumer, other things in your store, if you can increase that AOV and get um, anytime you then expand into like paid media, of course, you're going to get a better return because people are buying more stuff. So, yeah, I, I will say that you know, my AOV um, focus has been really important, uh, especially with uh, you know, design. I think you'll forget that. Because mm -hmm. you can design a great product that, that does it all, but did you want that to actually happen? Mm -hmm. Did you miss a, an opportunity to sell an additional piece of that product that you didn't have to include? Um, I see it all the time in the market. I'm like, why didn't they make that a separate product that they produce for, you know, that they, produce oh. for three, you know, they sell for 3X? Um, fascinating to me. I think it's yeah. a huge miss. Uh, maybe I'm just being judgy. <laughs> but... Hell, you, you, know, you, you can only you can only do this if you have opinions, right? It's it's not yeah. it's not judgy. I mean, your opinion is as 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 valid as anyone else's here. And there are always going to be in a direct consumer marketing world people who want to buy the highest, the best, the biggest package, every add-on, sure. every extra product, every companion product possibly that goes with it. You're always going to have those people, and those people will be much higher profit margin over time. Definitely. I just want to create more of them. Right. <laughs> Right. No, I, I get it. I mean, I, I was reading the other day about it's become very popular on on sites, particularly for software, right, where there's three prices and the old thing that marketers are taught is the middle price is the one that people go for. I was reading more about the movie theater popcorn analogy where they actually have a very different approach, which is generally if you go into a movie theater, I haven't been to one since COVID, so maybe it's different, but there, I doubt it. No, I don't think it's they, changed. They have a small, medium, large, extra large, right? And the price difference between small and medium and medium and large is relatively similar. But then the difference between large and extra large is, is a tiny amount. And right. it's that price difference that in reality is popcorn. So the cost of producing an extra large versus a small is, is largely negligible. So they're lucky in that case. That drives people to buy the extra large, which they never would have done. They never would have bought the large without the extra large there. And they always would have gone with the medium. Absolutely. That idea of having those pricing choices by you being able to package more things in there allows you to start playing with that stuff, right? And then I think that, yeah, I absolutely agree. And if you look at our pricing, it, it follows that model. Um, one of the other co core components to our, that whole AOV rise is the having, having one item at least that you have to click through and, and decline. Um, we're going to let all the secrets out. Uh, that's another big one for us is that mm -hmm. it's a great product. It's a great ancillary add on product. Um, but you have to say no. And it's, you want to say yes. <laughs> I was in, uh, I was in target the other day and, uh, the lady in front of me bought a crappy little round waffle maker. I think it mm. made like a heart shaped waffle you know whatever floats your boat yeah um and it was oh, like 30 it was like 13 bucks right and the woman 
who was checking her out said to her, because it came up on a screen, would you like the extended warranty on right. that product? It's $3.95 or whatever it was. It was under four bucks. And the woman just instinctively said, yeah, sounds like a great idea, right? For a $13 waffle maker, she wouldn't even remember, I bet, that she had that warranty. And no, of course I not. made a free, a free four bucks on something that's probably never going to be claimed against. Now, I don't believe in tricking people. I believe no. you should be offering things of value. But there are lessons to be learned by that nonetheless, where a lot of those 100%. people say, yes, great, let's do this. Well, you mean, and, and I think there is a, a piece of it where you don't, you don't force folks to, to dig through your site. Like you, you want to help them know what's, what's the right thing. So in our case, it's a, it's a carrying bag, which is really nice because it carries the right. regulator. It carries the, the grill that we offer. And it carries your core, our, you know, our flagship product, the Lava Box, and uh, and I don't know that they, you know, they're they, we know we know they're not spending more than two minutes on the site, period. Right. Even when they're making a sale, you know, we I, we didn't talk about it, but analytics are a huge piece of how I run the business. But um, I know they're spending about right now two minutes and seventeen seconds on the site on my. So average. little, isn't it? It's so little, and for them to try to figure out with their having dinner and their making, you know, their family and blah 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 blah. They're trying to figure this out, or they're or they're not they're not working. They're just they're just screwing around on their phone. Right. Um, I want them to see that the bag is there, and so adding the bag in, and we've seen a massive increase of bag sales because we added that one question. And I don't want to make a million questions. It's annoying. I don't like that. Huh. Um, but I but if I was going to miss, I wouldn't want to miss it. Well, it's something that makes it's something that makes sense. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. That, that's the reality. Is you've bought this yeah. thing, it'd be great to have it in a great to have it in a bag. It's very appealing if you can make a, a business with some sort of ongoing subscription revenue. Is there something that you could do or exploring around like small camping propane tanks, et cetera, on a subscription basis? So I actually cannot reveal that I'm in the middle of a patent process, but okay. I will have a subscription-based product. I'm probably ready about four months. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, and it's a cool one. It's really fun. Uh, and uh, it was something we knew the market liked and uh, was, was hungry for. And so I think it's going to be, it's, and it's, it's far more um, uh, not so camping centric. It's definitely something that everybody can enjoy. It's fun to have at parties. And so you'll see that come out pretty soon. It's a refillable product. Okay, great. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Josh, it's been a real pleasure. You've really achieved so much with, uh, with this product so far. And it's oh, great to see you getting in coming offers and other people getting excited about it. And, and the philanthropic thing is great. What was the, what was the charity that the money goes to again? Thank you. It's team river runner and they're teamriverrunner.org. So if you're listening to this, consider going and looking at that website, maybe making a, um, a donation for Josh. It's uh, it really is such a, such a great organization. Or get involved, get involved with, you know, you don't have to be a great uh, kayaker. Just come out and hold people's hands and make sure they don't drown. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see that seems probably like number one criteria right you, you know low bar low bar here drowning <laughs> yeah, that's great. Bar. thank you very much josh it was a pleasure thanks dax